episode 14 of the Online Chicken School podcast. Today we're talking about how to set up a brooder for baby chicks. It's time for the Online Chicken School podcast. Whether you've been keeping chickens for years or you're just fixing to get started, we'll help you get your schooling. And now, here's the chicken tenders, Don and Susie. Hello, I'm Don, the big chicken tender. And I'm Susie, the little chicken tender. If you're interested in backyard chickens, you're in the right place. Doesn't matter if you have a whole lot of chickens out in the country or just a few somewhere in the city, this is where we share our knowledge, experience, and opinions to help you get the most out of your backyard flock. All right, I want to start by talking about our little Dot Rock roosters and the experience they had this last weekend. It was so adorable. We have dot rocks that we hatch, which are a sex link hybrid. And you can tell right when they hatch whether they're male or female. So, of course, the females go like wildfire. We can't keep them in stock. And nobody wants the lone little dot rock roosters. So it's very sad. It is. You look at them and go, I'm sorry, no one likes you. I don't know. Is that profiling? I think it is. <laughs> it's discrimination. Could be. Oh. But anyway, we love them, so we're keeping them to um, later eat them. <laughs> we love them now so that we can love them later. But you still raise them the same as other baby chicks, and they got to experience grass for the first time this last weekend. I put them in a wire cage that has a lot of access to the ground on the bottom, and they are fully feathered now, so they can go outside. And it's so stinking hot here, it doesn't really even matter. And they just first walked around like, what is this stuff under my feet? I don't understand. Why is it damp and what's happening to me? And they then pecked around and had a ball in the grass for probably about four or five hours. Well, I love how you posted a picture on Facebook and uh, Jennifer called you out a little bit, said, uh, next time post a video. Yeah, I know. I should have. I was sitting there just watching them. And then I went, oh, I should really take a picture of this because this is adorable. But yeah, you really don't get the full effect unless it's video with them picking up their feet so high and giving you the look like, what are you doing to me? It's like they just can't figure out what to do with it at first. Right. And then the dogs come by and they're used to big chickens. And these are very tiny chickens. So they just kept circling the cage, not licking their lips, thankfully, but they were circling the cage trying to figure out what these little things were, and it was just cute. Okay, so this has given me a new idea. If you've been listening to past episodes, you know that we are trying to get a meat bird program going. I'm not opposed to the conventional Cornish cross hybrids. You mean the Franken-chicken? It's not a Franken-chicken. They call it a Franken-chicken. No, it's not a Franken-chicken. It's just a hybrid. Okay. It's nothing to be afraid of, but we really want to try doing the heritage birds. And if you've listened to the heritage episode and the hybrid episode, you'll know that the reason you might want to try heritage birds for meat is because they have more flavor. Well, they actually have flavor. Yeah, they have some <laughs> flavor. So we've been raising a batch of light Sussex, and the light Sussex are a pretty big beefy bird compared to our other dual purpose uh, chickens. We thought it would be a good idea to try them as meat birds. However, sitting in our incubator right now is a is the third batch of light Sussex eggs we've collected. We know they're fertilized, but they just aren't hatching. 
Well, and we have other eggs from other birds in there. Like every time we've done a hatch, we've had some gold lace, some dot rocks, some barred rocks, and they've all hatched. So it's not like, because you go, oh, Don and Susie don't know how to use their incubator. But no, the other chicks are hatching, so it can't be that. We think it's something to do with that rooster. I think it's the colonel. It's very sad because I was really hoping with all those ladies he would be getting it done, but something... he has he has a bigger uh, let's say fan club <laughs> harem a bigger entourage <laughs> yeah than any of the other roosters on the property. Most of the other roosters have two or three ladies. Yes, he's got four. You think he'd be all about it? I don't know. He's he's not getting the job done. I think I think it's with him. Yeah, well... honestly, sadly, and we don't have another rooster another light Sussex rooster. I've kind of come up with a new plan. All the chickens we have on our property are all dual purpose birds. The barred rocks and the Wyandots especially, they're not the best meat birds, but they're known to be very good meat birds. Mm -hmm. So I'm thinking of a little change in our policy regarding selling baby chicks. Uh Uh-oh. Normally what happens is we hatch out a clutch of eggs and you know that roughly 50% are going to be males and 50% are going to be females. So they get sold as what's called a straight run, meaning they just are what they are. Pick them out. You don't know whether they're males or females. You're welcome to guess, but we're not going to guess for you. I think what we're going to do now is wait three weeks, then pull out the males and only sell the females. So we can tell people we know, you know, these are all females and we're going to keep the males for ourselves to raise as meat birds. We'll give it a try. I mean, hey, as long as we're still able to put some money in our pocket for feed and uh, make people happy, because we do have a waiting list for a lot of our chicks, so I can't... But people never come in saying, I want roosters. They come in saying, I want hens only. Absolutely. They'll know that they're only getting females. Mm -hmm. That's the new idea I have for trying to get some meat birds raised up so we can get started. Well, and we will still try and hatch our light Sussex once in a while. I mean, just because, hey, on an off chance, maybe one of them will start hatching or who knows? Because I'd really like to have those to sell because people love them and also to raise up new ones. Well, here's another idea I thought of regarding trying to isolate who's the issue. I was thinking of taking the kernel out of that coop and taking our Rhode Island Red Rooster and putting him in that coop. Ooh. Then take those eggs and see if he's fertilizing them, will we get oh. something different? You know, you end up with a mixed chicken, but it's a desirable mixed chicken. Because when you take the Rhode Island Red Rooster and you mix it with the Light Sussex Hen, we'll end up with a red sex link hybrid. So we can sell them still, but it'll also tell us where's the problem. And my belief is it's with the colonel. Well, I think it's going to shake up them ladies, though, because that Rhode Island Red Rooster, he is not the most gentlemanly uh, fellow when he's going after the girls. So the colonel is fairly easygoing, kind of romances them a little bit. But uh, the Rhode Island, he, he he kind of tears them up. So they'll be in for a surprise. That's why we call him Cluck Norris, because yeah. he's just... He's all out there. He wants to fight everybody. Yeah, even his ladies... Anyway, moving on. (laughs) Um, It's been very hot and rainy here in Florida. It seems like it's hot and rainy most places. And uh, birds are going through a lot of water every day. So just as a reminder out to everybody that has chickens and is in a hot climate, just make sure you're checking that chicken water quite often. And uh, one thing that they love is feed them some nice cool snacks 
We love watermelon uh, cubes for our birds, and they will come running for it. You and I were out on the golf cart driving past the chicken coops when we had some of the the ladies out. Yeah. And they saw Susie and thought, watermelon lady. <laughs> well, I and, said to him, I go, hi, ladies, as we were driving by. Yeah, and they came tearing after us, just chasing us across the backyard, thinking Susie might have some watermelon. We actually had to floor it a little bit to make sure that they didn't catch up with us, because I didn't have any with me. I felt so bad. Okay, so last thing before we get to the main topic, we got a really, really nice, and I'll say it, awesome review from 3 to be free on iTunes. Yes, that made my day, 3 to be free The title was The Best Chicken Podcast Online. And that's not even a family member of ours. And it really encourages us when we get these. I got to tell you, I had a horrible, horrible allergy headache and read this and it just made my day. Well, I'm going to read it. Okay. Learn a lot about chickens between laughs. Don and Susie are fun and informative. They could easily be morning talk show hosts. (laughs) And you've always wanted to do that. Susie Sunshine in the morning. (laughs) I don't think so. Uh, one thing you will hate about this podcast is that it is too short and not updated hourly. After checking out one episode, I spent the next 24 hours listening to every episode on iTunes. Great job, Don and Susie. Keep them coming. Talk as long as you want. Thanks, three to be free. Thank you. Thank you. I got to tell you, I am also a binge podcast listener. If I find a a podcast I like, I will like download all 100 episodes and just listen until I'm done with them. We'll crank them out as fast as we can. Okay, for the main feature today, we're starting a two-part series on raising baby chicks. In this first part, we're discussing how to set up and maintain a brooder. Now, the last time we did a two-part episode, you said, you know, I hate to do this because I hate two-part episodes, but... And now it's only been a couple episodes. We're doing another two-parter. I know. know. And I didn't want to, but here's, here's my dilemma. You start putting together the material and there's that, there's that kind of balancing act between how much material and can I cover it well enough? You know, I don't want to breeze through really fast something just to get it down in time. I want to make sure we cover it well. So it's my fault. I know I said, I don't (laughs) like doing the two-part episodes, but uh, you know, At least we're not doing a 30-part series on how to clean a chicken coop. Ew. All right, so back to the brooder. Uh, The brooder is a place where your baby chicks will live until they're ready to go outside, which is about six weeks of age. Um, Most people say when they're fully feathered. So when they've lost all that fuzz and now they've got feathers. You know, a lot of people that call us, they say, oh, I'm ready to get chicks now because I got my coop built. But they don't go directly from being hatched into a coop. They need to have all their feathers before they can go outside in an outside coop. So they start in a brooder. Well, and the funny thing is it's always one extreme or the other because you've got half the people that say, I've got my coop built. I'm ready for baby chicks. And you have to tell them, okay, well, that's great. You're six weeks ahead of schedule because you don't need a coop for six more weeks. And then there's the other side that says, now that I have the baby chicks in a box, we're going to stop at tractor supply on the way home. What do I need to buy? Yeah. Well, that was us. It was horrible to say, but we came with a box and got our chicks and it was late. It was after dark. And then we're like, oh, shoot, we don't have food, a waterer, anything. And we got to tractor supply literally seven minutes before they closed. Yes. Yes. It was... You know, we can relate with people. We don't make fun of them and go, oh, you're, I can't believe you're not prepared because that was us. We did it. 
Okay, so what, what kind of things can you use as a brooder? There's a lot of different options, but here's some things to consider. Chicks grow very, very quickly. Yeah, don't they, they like double in size. It almost seems like you go out one day and they're teeny tiny and then the next day you're like, oh my gosh, they like grew two inches. Yeah, it seems like every week they double in size. Yeah. There's do. nothing scientific, but that's just my eyeball measuring. <laughs> By week three, if you didn't think ahead, they may have outgrown your brooder. Right. By week three or four, they can start to flap their little wings and figure out what those are for. They start jumping really high. I mean, you walk by our brooder that's in our garage and it's almost like you spook them or something and they like hit the other side of the cage. They they fly right over there and slam into the other side. So they are very active and in a short couple of weeks, they can escape. Again, this is one of those things we learned the hard way. There was this one day we had the chicks in the garage. We came home and luckily... We had forgotten the garage door opener. Right. So we didn't open the garage door. We had to walk around to the side to the pedestrian door to get in the garage. And that was very lucky because when we came in and I looked around and the first thing I noticed was there was chicken poop on the floor. Yeah, that's not common. Not in our garage. And I'm like, what happened here? And I look up and the chicks are all out of the cage. Yeah, the brooder was empty. The brooder was empty and the baby chicks are all hiding in every nook and cranny of the garage. And let me tell you something, those things know how to hide. Well, it is very hard to grab them. I mean, it's like trying to catch a... A rainbow? (laughs) A comet? I was going to say a... A tiger by the tail? (laughs) I was going to say like a snake, but I don't... A snake? Don't try and catch snakes. I don't know where I was going there. So one thing you can learn from our experience Mm -hmm. in that is that when you pick something for a brooder, make sure you're able to put some type of roof on it. It needs to have a ceiling to keep the chickens from going up and over. And you think, well, at four weeks old, five weeks old, they can't fly. Yes, they can. (laughs) Well, they can't really fly, but boy, can they jump. And that little bit of flapping gives them some extra air. And you would be amazed what they can get out of. One of the things you see a lot at local farm supply stores in the springtime or when they have all their little chicks out are these little kits that you can get. You also see them online and they're called brooder kits. And sometimes they're as simple as a cardboard ring that's about, I don't know, six, eight inches tall and a light that somehow clips onto it and then a feeder and a waterer. That's not going to last very long. Um, they're going to be able to jump out of that in a couple weeks. Yeah, that works for like week one and week two. And it's tempting because it's like, oh, I can just grab this box and it has everything I need in it. But you're going to end up in within three weeks, you're going to be looking for something else to keep them in. Right. You're going to have to do something in between that little cardboard ring and the coop outside. In our opinion, you might as well just take that step in the first place rather than go through three variations of brooders that you keep increasing in size, just get one at the beginning that you know will work to the end. Right. And they're not expensive. There's certain things you can use that really don't cost a whole lot that you may already have laying around. You can use things like a big wooden box. You can use those stock tanks, uh, aluminum or steel stock tanks that you find. Now, those are a little expensive, but if you've got one around anyway, then you can use that. You can, on the cheaper side, you can use those plastic storage bins. Who doesn't have a bunch of those laying around? Yeah. And who doesn't want to have chicken poop in one? Of course. You know, you're done with the little chicks. You put your clothes back in there for the winter. Right. 
<laughs> it's like mothballs. Right. And these are like the ones that are, how many gallons are those? Well, they come in all sizes. That's a nice thing. So if you get a lot of chicks, they have some pretty big ones. And if you get just a few, they have smaller ones. So the nice thing is you can find one that's kind of the appropriate size. Right. And that's what we were thinking of using. And then we found um, a small animal cage, which is our favorite. We like using the cages like you used to have for hamsters and rabbits. Um, you got a plastic base with a wire top. So you can hang things from the wire top. It keeps the chicks inside, lets a little bit of airflow go, but keeps them protected when they're little from the drafts because of the plastic side. It, it just really works all the way up until we put them out in the coop. The nice thing is you can find these things everywhere. You can get them on Craigslist used. You can get them at garage sales. So you don't have to go spend 40, 50 bucks to buy one is what I think about what they cost new. Mm -hmm. And they come in a lot of different sizes. You can get pretty small ones. You can get really large ones. We have three very large ones. I don't know where you found them. I think I got them on Facebook, and whenever I see them, I snatch them up because, right, new, they're expensive. I got uh, the three large, large ones. I got for five bucks a piece from somebody that was getting rid of her hamsters. And they were huge. They're they huge. were. And the only thing you have to do when you get used animal supplies is make sure you disinfect them well because if they had chicks in them before that or even a different animal, there could be disease in there that'll transfer to your birds. So disinfect it with a bleach water solution or whatever you can whatever you use to disinfect um and you know sit it out in the sun for a little bit disinfect it again and then use it okay so once you have the brooder you're going to need to put some kind of flooring material for them to walk on because most of the surfaces especially if you're using plastic bins or the animal cages the surface is just too slippery you need to have something with some texture on it little baby chick legs are like rubber. They just haven't solidified yet. They haven't formed yet after they hatch. And so if the surface is too slippery, they'll start looking like a ski jumper with their legs out to the side. Their legs will not form right. And then you got a problem on your hands. So you use paper towels for the first week, but you have to make sure you change the paper towels probably every one to two days. Sometimes when we had a lot of chicks in a brooder, they weren't crowded, but there were a lot in there. I was changing it every day. Paper towels are pretty cheap. Yeah, everybody has them in their house. But another thing that people have in their house that they think is going to be great, and people will come to buy chicks from us with a box, and they'll have newspaper in the bottom. No. That is a big, big no-no. Because newspaper, you don't think about it, but it is very slippery. So paper towels are good for the first week. And then once they get to one week old, then you can switch to pine shavings. And pine shavings, you will use... For a long time. Even if you have an open floor chicken tractor like we do, you're still going to use it in their nesting box. Mm -hmm. uh, you will use pine shavings for a long time. So don't be afraid to grab a big bag of it. Right. And they come usually in two different forms. They either have a fine shaving or they'll have either what's called a flake or a large flake. You want to stick to the largest flake shavings you can find because when it gets too dusty, like in the fine shaving, you don't want any respiratory problems and that'll irritate their respiratory system. And don't ever use cedar because that is toxic to your chickens. Okay, so another thing we need to consider with our brooder is a heat source. Baby chicks need a lot of warmth the first several weeks. And so what you're gonna need to get is a what's called a brooder lamp. And you can find these used on Craigslist. You can find them at uh, Walmart. Mm -hmm. 
You can find them online. They're very inexpensive. And there's a variety of bulbs you can put into them to generate the heat for your baby chicks. So what we use is just a regular old light bulb. For us, it's usually 40 or 60 watts, depending on what time of the year it is, but it's pretty warm down here. If you live up north and you're raising baby chicks in the wintertime, you might want to consider going up to like a 120 or something stronger and see how that works out. Well, what's going to happen when they do away with those bulbs and then all we have are the energy efficient bulbs that don't set off any heat? Yeah, don't use LED lights or mini fluorescent lights in your brooder lamp because they won't work. Another kind of bulb you can use is one of those red heat bulbs, which always reminds me of like the old fast food heat lamp. Yeah, the hamburger lamp. Yeah, but that's pretty much what it is. Well, where do you put a chicken sandwich to keep it warm? (laughs) Under a red heat lamp. That's right. These are just pre-chicken sandwiches, but they are very expensive. You can find them online. You can find them in the farm supply stores. They usually come two to a box and they're usually eight or nine bucks for those two bulbs. People use them. If you want to feel free, uh, we don't go through that kind of expense. Uh, we just use a regular old light bulb. One of the benefits that people like about the red bulbs is it's a little less, uh, let's say taxing on the little baby chick's eyes because that lamp is going to be on 24 hours a day for six weeks. And that bright white light doesn't give them any darkness at night. You know, they're going to be, they won't be up, they will sleep, but they're going to be bombarded by this white light all day, every day. And the red lamps supposedly are just a little easier on them. It's a little nicer on them at night. But another way you can accomplish that without having to buy the $8 hamburger light is to get one of these ceramic heating elements that screw into the brooder lamp. It's not a light at all. It's just a ceramic plate and it screws into the same socket and it puts out radiant heat. One thing you do have to be very conscious about is the risk of fire. With anything that sets off heat, there's always a chance of fire. So be sure to secure whatever kind of lamp you're using, whether it's with the the hamburger bulbs or with a regular light bulb, because they get so hot, you know, Don attaches them in two places on top of the cage uh, so that both would have to fail for it to fall into the cage and either hurt a chick or once you're past week one, set the shavings on fire. I mean, how many times do you see articles on people's sheds burning down or houses burning down because shavings caught on fire? Many people lose their house every year because the brooder lamp became disconnected, fell into the shavings and sat there and smoldered for a couple hours. The people who were at work and next thing you know, they come home and their garage is burned down and usually a garage is attached to your house. So their house is burned down. It's not a happy way to start chicken keeping. And the brooder lamps come with this clamp that they intend for you to use. But I tell you, that clamp is the most useless and scary device if you're trying to think this is what's going to keep this brooder lamp from burning my house down. Personally, I throw those away as soon as we get them because the way they're put together is just so fragile and it's based on one nut and the tension of one nut holding the lamp in the air And I don't like it. So what I do is I I chuck that. And what I do is I hang the brooder lamp by its cable. And I use two zip ties in two different places. And really zip tie it tight to the, the wire mesh on the top of the animal cage. And if you do it right, you cannot move that thing. I mean, I can yank on it with all my strength and it won't 
raise or lower. Well, because the chicks, once they start flapping around and going after bugs, which are attracted by the light, they'll be banging into that thing and you want to make sure it's really, really secure. Another option for heat is a product made by Brencia called the Eco Glow. And again, we've never used this, but we've heard great things about it. It uses radiant heat, so there's no risk of fire. It is a little expensive. The smallest one is good for about 20 chicks on Amazon that runs $78. And if you're only going to be doing, you know, having chicks once or once every five years or something like that, it may not be cost effective for you. If you're going to be breeding chicks, maybe something you want to look into because they just kind of, they can hop up on top of it. They can go underneath it. Um, they can knock it over and it, it just has that nice radiant heat, but it's all nice and sealed where you're not going to have that risk. If there's a chance that you might be doing multiple batches in the future, you don't even have to be hatching your own eggs. But if there's a chance that, you know, next year you might get more chickens and every year you might get chickens. If you're planning on doing multiple hatches, then it's maybe not a bad investment. It is a little pricey, but the big question is, what is your house worth? Well, that's true. If you want to take a look at that product, you can go to our website, go to onlinechickenschool.com slash stuff, and you'll find it there. Now, when we're talking about temperature, it needs to be 95 degrees for the first week, and then it goes down five degrees each week after that. So the second week would be 90, third week, 85. Um, some people think, well, I have the chicks in the summer and it's hot. Well, yeah, it's 90 something during the day, but at night it may get down to the upper 70s, not going to be warm enough for them. There's a couple of ways you could change the temperature. The first way is by changing the distance between the heating element and the surface. If you raise the heating element so it's further away from the surface, then it's going to get cooler. And if you lower the heating source closer to the surface, it's going to get warmer. Another option is to actually change the wattage of the light bulb. If you've raised the lamp as high as you can inside the cage and it's still too warm, then maybe you want to go from a 60 down to a 40 watt. Or if you're trying to go the other direction and you keep lowering it and the light is down to the chick's head, but you still need it warmer, then you might want to go to the next size up. You don't have to go out there every hour with a thermometer and check and make sure it's, oh, it's 95, good, we're good. And then two hours later, oh, it's 94. And, you know, you don't have to be that obsessive about it. You can if you want. You can if you want. But really just look at how the chicks are acting. If they're kind of just walking around the cage and they're happy and some are underneath the light, some are over by the feeder and waterer, and they just come and go under the light, that kind of means that they're happy, they're warm enough. Yeah, the chicks will tell you when they're unhappy. You will know uh, if you pay attention. If the temperature is too low, the chicks will all crowd together under that light into one big fuzzy ball. Now, you have to be careful not to freak out because if they're just kind of lounging around under the light, but they're not necessarily touching each other or they're just kind of snuggling a little bit, you can tell the difference by looking between distress and we're just hanging out. Another way you can tell the temperature is too low is they start making distress calls. You know, chicks have a couple different noises they make. There's the normal happy, I'm a happy chick chirp. And then there's the distress call. And I'm not going to try and <laughs> replicate this distress call, but you'll know it when you hear it. You'll just know something's wrong. Uh, if the temperature in your brooder is too high and they're too hot, 
you'll know this because all of your chicks will be plastered against the opposite side of your brooder away from the lamp. They will be trying to get away from that heat source. Okay, so the last thing to talk about today is where should you put the light? The first thing you always think about is I'll put it dead in the middle so it gives heat to all the areas of the brooder. But actually, you're better off to offset it to one side. Move it to one side of the brooder instead of putting it dead in the middle. And the reason for that is it gives the chicks the greatest possibility to regulate their own temperature. It gives them a greater distance to get away from the light than if you have it in the middle. If it's at one end, they've got the entire length of the coop that they can get away from the light. However, if it's dead in the middle, they've only got half the length of the coop that they can get away from the light. So you want to make sure that if they're too hot, they have the ability to get the farthest away they can, and that's how they'll regulate their own body temperature. All right, so so far we've covered some options for what you can use as a brooder, what kind of flooring materials you should use, and the whole heat issue. In the next episode, we'll talk about food, feeders, water, and waterers. You know what's funny to me is that the last time we did a split episode, more people listened to the second episode than listened to the first episode. That's interesting. I wonder why. You think it would be the opposite. You think some people would listen to the first one and go, "Uh, I can't take these clowns. I'm not listening to the second one. (laughs) So you might have more people listening to the first and the second. But no, like more people tuned into the second one and said, you know, I just want the last part of the information. I want to skip right to the end and see how it ends. I don't want all the build up. (laughs) Who can figure it out? Okay, if you like the show, you can tell a friend and get them listening. You can also do what 3 to be free did and give us a totally awesome review on iTunes. Thanks again, 3 to be free If you want to check out the show notes for this episode, you can go to onlinechickenschool.com slash the number 14. Well, that's it for today. We'll see you next time. You've been listening to the Online Chicken School Podcast. Look for us on the web at onlinechickenschool.com.